Hello, little ones and big ones. You are listening to a very special episode of RVA Dirt's Municipal Mania. Mania, 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 mania. We miss Fran, but she'll be back next week. We're back after a really long hiatus. Feels really good to be back on the airwaves with you here on WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio. You can hear us every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Today, we are talking to fellow WRIR show host, Mr. Mario Brown of Mr. Dad's Storytime, airing every Tuesday at 11.30 a.m. He is the creator, host, and producer of the only locally produced children's program on radio in Richmond. We're excited. We'll jump right on in. But make sure you tune in at the end of this half an hour interview where we play the newest episode of Mr. Dad's Storytime, because we are all about pumping up the RPS family. So now's the time where we ask our guest to introduce himself. Hooli. Hi, I am Mario. I am the host of Mr. Dad's Storytime. I am a parent of four daughters who are still in school. My oldest just started high school her senior year and a former PTA president at Overby Shepherd Elementary School. Yay, RPS all the way. Well, Mario, I asked you here today, not only because of your show, but because I think we need a little sunshine out of RPS. And it's really nice to hear from an actual parent that is not caught up in the the social media swirl that's going on right now, but out here doing really good work uh, for your community and your schools. And also like bringing some serious magic to uh, the community and WRIR with Mr. Dad's story time. Uh, So welcome you so much i i really appreciate those kudos you deserve them people deserve to get praise man so you know just want to give that to you now because it's a it's a great show if uh you haven't listened to it yet can you tell our listeners when your show comes on yes my show is every tuesday at 11 30 a.m it is a 30 minute show it is a children's show that i do I read books to the children. I give them a word of the day. I try to bring children on to allow them to read. Uh, I'm just trying to essentially push more of the reading in the world. Without reading, we can't do much of anything. Exactly. Reading really is fundamental, right? Absolutely is. (laughs) And I grew up with Reading Rainbow, and um, LeVar Burton has been a lifelong hero of mine. And I... I was in childcare a lot before radio. And so when we had the opportunity to put a locally produced children's program on WRIR, there was no question, right? Uh, We really wanted you there. (laughs) And you are the only locally produced children's radio program in the city of Richmond. So 
Also, that always, <laughs> to hear you say that to me, always shocks me. I thought that more people would want to get, a, get in on that. <laughs> you would think, right? So you would think so that we can push our love of reading um, and learning, lifelong learning out there for the future generations. So what is it about reading that is so important to you? Yes, uh, just like you, I grew up on Reading Rainbow. Uh, to see LeVar Burton on TV outside of him playing Roots, I had never seen a black man do anything that he did and to have him do a reading or to have him read books to have children come on and read stuff on the TV was outstanding. And I, you know, was a lover of books before that show. And to, like I said, to see him have the same passion that I had about books just really did a lot for my soul. And to continue to grow up, to have children, to I would read them books every single night. I would read them uh, just anything they asked, I would pick up and read. If it was the back of a, a, a soda can, I would read it to them because they, they enjoyed hearing me read and to allow them to see me read to them. They picked up the love of reading as well. And you really get into the characters too, you know, reading you know, the different voice inflections and stuff. And it becomes fun for you, right? It is, it is absolutely fun for me to make the voices. Uh, and, and that's something, like I said, that's something I've been doing for a very long time. Uh, before having children, uh, I was reading books and doing the voices. When I had children, I would do the uh, Three Little Pigs. I would, do, I would love to do the, wolf of, the voice of the wolf because obviously I have a much deeper voice. So to play a villain in the book is always some, some sort of fun. That's my favorite part. Like Ursula is really up there for me. Like if I ever got to read or do anything, it would definitely be Ursula the Sea Witch. Like so much fun, right? Oh, I love her character. Actually, my <laughs> funny enough, my children call my wife Ursula. <laughs> they say that... <laughs> I don't, I don't know where it came from. They call her Ursula, and I am King Triton. So I, she, she, but she lives up to the name. She loves it. She loves it. She doesn't back down from it. She's not upset with it. She loves it. So that's my my Little Mermaid conspiracy theory is that Ursula and Triton used to have a thing uh, back in the day, and that's why there's so much animosity now. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all I'm all about Disney conspiracy theory, so you got me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Well, so when you were thinking about developing this show, how did the concept come to you? What uh, like break down your process a little bit for us? Yes, absolutely. So I started out when, once the whole pandemic started. Um, RPS completely pulled their children out of the school which I kind of understood, and I don't disagree with that. Uh, but it just left the children wanting more and needing more, if that. And I found myself trying to find out how, how I could help the children out. Like, what can I do? I was out volunteering, uh, donating breakfasts and lunches with uh, RPS. I would actually get on the bus. And I was like, there's more I can do because I was out of work. I was getting paid, but I was not actually working. But I was like, there's more I can do with my time. So I decided that I have a bunch of children's books at home. I have children, so I have a bunch of children's books at home. 
So I decided to start reading them on Zoom. Uh, took advantage of, you know, us already being at home. The kids don't have to sit face to face with me. So I, was, I would promote myself like, hey, listen, I don't want any money. I just want to read to the children. I do it for free at home anyway. So why not do it for free here? So I'd go out and I'd read books. I'd read chapter books. I would do one-on-one calls with children. Uh, but whatever the parents wanted, I would do. I put myself out on Facebook. And from there, obviously, you guys found me. And, you know, the, I would say the rest is history, but history is still being made. So, Agreed. Now, your, your show, <laughs> as somebody who learned to uh, produce audio in two weeks, because I really wanted that show, right? Like I just really wanted to be on the air. I felt like just like you felt, right? Like I have something to share and I really want part of this. So I learned and you learned too. And it was amazing. You know, when we got together uh, originally to talk about audio editing software, you you just picked it up. And um, as somebody who loves that stuff, I was super impressed. And so I knew the show was going to be just, Phenomenal, um, and it is. So let's talk about a little bit about your content here. So you are you're reading stories, right? You're reading stories, and then you do some really cool interviews too. Yes, um, I started off doing essentially just librarians for school because uh, another one of my I wouldn't necessarily say idols, but one of my key uh, people that kind of made me who I am was my librarian in high school. Uh, and she pointed out a lot of books for me. Uh, the librarian over at Thomas Jefferson High School, she's still there. I just want to say, hey, Miss Ware. Uh, she's like, she was a huge influence on me. And, you know, a lot of the books that she gave me really turned me around. And I, I go, always go back to the one book that uh, changed me was Freak the Mighty was the book that one of the books that she recommended to me. And I saw life differently. But a lot of the books uh, I started, so like I say, I was doing librarians. And from there, I started doing Richmond Public School teachers. Uh, and then I said, I can, I can do more. I want the kids to know, like, you know, not just within the school. Um, I started doing local businesses. I was, you know, trying to promote businesses that, you know, we were in, we're in a time where small businesses are being closed. So I was like, hey, I can actually help out small businesses as well by promoting them on my show and allowing them some time to, you know, speak on it as well as come on and just read a book. Fabulous concept, right? Everybody get together in the community, read a book and rally around these kids, give them something to, you know, look forward to being part of the community for. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just because I want, you know, there's everyone has some sort of knowledge. They have, everyone has a wealth of knowledge and why not just spread it out? Why not just don't don't die with that that wealth of knowledge? Spread that knowledge out. Give it away. It's not even giving it away and you forget it. You're giving it away and you still retain that knowledge. Oh, yes. Uh, Big fan of passing the torch and uh, passing on knowledge so that we don't forget about where we came from, but we can just build on that. You know, none of that gatekeeping things from children, especially the, the more you, I think, um, include children in your activism, your community involvement, the better citizens they become too. And the more they want to take care of what's around them and reach out to their neighbors. Right. 
exactly. Yeah, I, it, any sort of activist, any extra, excuse me, any sort of activism that I was doing, any sort of you know protest or what have you, I made sure that my children saw that I was doing it. I made sure that other children that I was you know mentoring that I they saw me doing it, so that they way that way they know they can you know have the same voice. Your voice can be heard. So as we're recording this, the Robert Lee Monument came down today. Yes, and yes. I am ec- ecstatic. Happy <laughs> ecstatic. Monument Removal Day, everyone. Happy Monument Removal Day. And two days after my birthday. I will never forget this. That, right, it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. And we really do need, as I was, I was talking to somebody on social media today, we really need to um, lift up the Black voices who have been asking for this for so long and have worked for this for so long because it really is truly their day. And how do you speak to your children about a day like this that's historic? Yeah, so uh, obviously my children are in school right now. They didn't get to physically see it, but I have saved videos. I want them to see, you know, that, you're, like, I, like I said in the beginning, your voice can be heard. You have to fight and fight hard for something that means so much to you, so much that means so much to the community. Like I said, like I was telling you earlier, that that monument, not just that, but there are a lot of things, but that monument alone was a symbol of hatred. And to, to like, I was out there protesting. I was out there feet to the ground. And I wanted my kids to see me do this. It was like, hey, I'm doing this so that way you guys don't have to endure this. And I hope that, you know, in next generations, my children won't have to, but if they need to, they will be ready as well. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's another thing. It's, uh, I think a lot of people find it or place psychological barriers on themselves. A lot of adults in talking to children about difficult subject matter, when in actuality, Mm -hmm. children can really handle a lot. It's it's just in how you speak to them and how you word it to them because they aren't little adults, but they can handle the truth. Yes. I mean, you have to think children themselves are inherently, you know, truth tellers, whether they know it or not. Bless. They sure are. Yes. If you speak to them in the same language that they speak, you know, they'll understand it a lot more. Through all of this, let me just ask, how have you spoken to your children? What have you talked about in regards to the pandemic? How has it affected them um, not being necessarily side by side with their classmates and friends every day? I know uh, last year with the computers and everything, that was mentally draining for them and not being able to see their friends or, you know, being able to see anyone that they're communicating with. Uh, I remember once they actually got out to essentially go to the playground or, you know, get us to go out to the park or anything, you know, still masks on, they saw somebody that they thought was in their class. And it was like, I think, I think I know them. And, you know, they started talking. It was like, you know, hey, yeah, I'm in, I'm in your class. They had never seen each other face to face, but they've only knew each other behind the computer screen. So it was mentally taxing for them because they were like, oh, gosh, I know these people, but I don't know these people. You know, I want to be able to be friends with these people, but how can I be friends with these people if I've never met them? So with the pandemic, it has been, like I said, and I'm going to continue to use this, mentally taxing not just for adults, but for children as well. And I want to say for 
more children than anything, because as adults, we, we are prone to go through some sort of suffering and we can, you know, take a, take a little bit more of a beating than a child. But if a child, you can, you can tell your child the truth and say, Hey, listen, this is going on, but we don't have a why behind it. It's it's a little bit harder to tell them. Yeah, exactly. What a, a beautiful way to segue to my next question about children's mental health. In times like these, paying attention to the mental health of children is really of the utmost importance because they don't always have the language or the tools to express to you how they're feeling or um, to cope with complex emotions because... I, I mean, did you at five? No, of course not, right? God, no. <laughs> and I always feel like to reading and education and having honest conversations with parents um, really helps them process. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yes. Um, so with children, with, well, not just children, with parents trying to get the, trying to help kids process this information. Like I said, it, for me, I found it, somewhat difficult because I'm all I've always been one to teach my children the truth the the truth and speak truth to my children but how much truth can I speak to them when I I myself have no understanding of what we are going through you know I'm I'm trying to piece together what's going on in the midst of me learning so imagine yourself being a student and a teacher at the same time Oh my gosh. Right. And there's, and the thing is, is that there are so many people in your position right now that it's almost like, can we have a separate faction of therapy? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, and I, I think that's a very taboo thing. And I myself will say that I'm not afraid to say I have a therapist. My children have therapists, my, you know, anyone in my household underneath of my roof, we have therapists that we talk to because we need to, express what's going on and how we feel about what's going on. And hopefully that person can help us get some sort of semblance as to what we can, what we can do after this, or, you know, if there is an after this. Yes. If there is an after this, everybody's going along about their merry way. Your kids are having a great time looking forward to life or, you know, grumping about school. Like we do, everybody has done, you know, and then boom, it's taken away. Things are different. People are getting, yes. the world is in chaos. You're like a small person and you're seeing everything from like thigh level and like, what do you do with yourself and how do you wrap your, your little brain? And then also your big brain, your big adult parent brain around not necessarily being able to plan the future for your kids, the, maybe the way that you wanted to. Absolutely. And, you know, for me, I've been, I've went to a few like drive through graduations and things of that nature. And I mean, Hey, we are doing something towards moving forward, but you know, it's essentially, do we, is this the new normal? If we know what normal is. What the heck is normal, Mario? Like I, we know what normal is. Right. I catch myself now and I'll say, oh, you know, when things get back to normal and then I'll go, oh, wait, I'm sorry. The heck is that? We have to completely rethink everything. And so when you're, you know, when you're a little or even when you're a medium, you know, it is really confusing. And, you know, I can't, I honestly, I can't even imagine like what middle school and high school students are going through too right now, because not only do they have all of that going on, but, you know, all the changing body stuff that 
messes up your little brain anyway. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I think that it's very important when, when I always say, you know, check on your friends, check on your family, check on your coworkers, check on your nieces and nephews, check on your, your, um, your children, check on, you know, your neighbor's kids, whatever. Cause some kids maybe may not feel comfortable telling their parents, right? But maybe it's absolutely, yeah. Relative, and, you know, teacher, guidance counselor. It is. It is really tough, you know. Um, I like I said, I have children. I have nieces. I have nephews. I have godchildren. I am like, without sounding creepy, I have always loved children. You know, and that's always really tough to say as a as a huge black man. That's always <laughs> tough to say. You know, I love children, and then you know, people are like I and me is like, mm, gotta watch him. It's like, no, I just love children because I love their honest ways. I love their innocent minds. I love like I don't want to mold them. I just like observing like them grow and seeing the path that they take because I know that my path was much different. So as I love to see children grow and become what they have made for themselves. It's like an honest, pure break from all of the mess that adulthood piles on top of you. Not only when it comes to like, you know, there's generational trauma and all of this other stuff that like builds up. But if you're, if you're not giving your kid that sometimes this might be the first time they've experienced some form of trauma. And so encourage these children to talk to whoever they feel safe with. To have. Yeah. And I have, you know, I have middle school children. I have, uh, I have a high schooler as well. Middle school sucks, I, man. Sorry. Oh gosh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. I remember middle school and I hope that everyone remembers middle school. Middle school was the worst years of my life. Those three years of my life, I wish I could just erase. Like, I regret nothing in my life, but if I could erase those three years, I'd be fine. Same, friend, same. <laughs> Such a Middle school sucks. It does. It's hard. It's a hard time. It absolutely sucks. It is a hard time because, like you said, you know, the hormones, you know, everything that we're going through, we're becoming you know, we're little adults. We're like semi-adults. We are headed to an adulthood and we're still thinking about playing with Pokemon. I said me, it was like Pokemon cards. You know, I'm like breaking off. I'm, I have like a high-pitched voice and then one day I'm like, hey! You know? <laughs> <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, I had a mustache at 12 and people are like, you know, asking me if I know stuff. I don't know anything. I know what Pikachu is. I don't know. I don't know much. You know, middle school sucks. And to to think like, you know, not only are you going through everything that you're going through right now, but you have this extra layer of stuff that's going on in the world that you have no control over. Right. And so I I really do feel like to bring it back, you know, to your show and the purpose um, and the work that you do. It's so nice to have a smile. It's so nice to have a release right? To have somebody with a lovely, deep, soothing voice, read you a wonderful story with a great moral and kind of take you out. Um, yeah. <laughs> but also to like, to kind of keep you in it in some ways too, you know, it's, you work within the real world. Yes, absolutely. And uh, when you say that, I, <laughs> I don't necessarily purposely go out and try to find uh, 
real world uh, books and things that nature of things that are actively going on in the world. But I do at least try to stick to a lot of the things that are going on in the real world. So doing uh, pride month, I, I read uh, a few books for pride month, uh, for, you know, I had, uh, what is it? Uh, two grooms on a cake. It's like a kid's story of the first ever gay marriage. And I was like, you know, as an ally to the LGBT, uh, I wanted to make sure that like children hear these books. I want children to hear these books. Uh, I have books that I have coming up for uh, Hispanic, uh, heritage month. I have books not only for like holidays, like Halloween and, uh, Christmas, but I do, uh, I went out and found books for Hanukkah, for Kwanzaa, for, uh, you know, any sort of holiday, because we are all a collective here. We, we, you know, we make up, you know, I, I love, always loved hearing like America's a melting pot. Now, do I absolutely believe it's a melting pot? I believe the faces, yes, the actions, no, but that's a whole nother story, you know, so, but I believe that we are a melting pot. We are all like this combined flavor that makes the, the gumbo or the, the jambalaya for America. You know, our faces, you know, we see so many different people. There's, you know, black, brown, you know, red, there's white, there's everything. So I want to make sure I speak to every single person, like no matter what you look like, no matter what your affiliation is, I want to make sure that you are heard. Love that so much. <laughs> i'm so emotional Can- cancer has really gotten me like in touch um yeah. <laughs> with myself and with with others and like i'm just resonating on a different emotional plane right now and so when i hear that it's like tears of joy it's joy like, yeah joy and so in the last few minutes man i hate to rap too because you're a great interview I- let's just talk a little bit about joy what brings joy what kind of joy do you want to put out there and also don't forget to end with how listeners can get in touch with you yes absolutely i'm sorry like my wife gets on me a lot about that uh about like promoting myself it's very hard to promote myself because i try to stay as humble as possible like i don't want to know numbers on shows i just want to do it because i have so much fun what I, with what I do and, you know, what brings me joy is to see other people smile. If I can do something to make someone else smile, I don't need anything. I don't need your money. I don't need, you know, a hug is fine with me. A smile is fine with me. You don't have to pay me. You don't have to, you don't have to, you know, compensate me in any sort of manner. That is my joy to see other people smile, to see that I have made you go from some grump to a beautiful blossoming flower and you are happy now you are absolutely happy with the way you are in life even if it is just in a moment i brought you some sort of happiness and i am happy beautiful and now i feel joy (laughs) well i'm glad that you feel joy yes passing it on right like no this is going to be a great episode and i'm really excited to air it Thank you so much uh, for being with us today. Uh, you have an email address for folks, maybe, if they want to send you story <laughs> suggestions or anything? My email is mr, and that's just mr.dad.reads at gmail.com. Excellent. Well, thank you, Mario Brown, host of Mr. Dad's Storytime here on WRIRLP 97.3 FM Richmond Independent Radio every Tuesday at 1130 uh, during our children's block. Do not miss it. If you can't, if you don't own a radio, you can also listen to it on 
Apple Music, uh, if you just search up WRIR, it'll pop up there for you. It goes on a nonstop stream and a nonstop loop. You will always hear, not just myself, but you will hear every single person on the WRIRLP station. Excellent. Thank you so much, Mario. Thanks for joining us and thanks for doing Mr. Dad. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. Thanks, y'all, for joining us today for our first episode back after a long much-needed hiatus. If you're listening on WRIR, make sure you stay tuned for an encore of the newest episode of Mr. Dad's Storytime. And if you're on podcast, make sure you follow Mr. Brown's directions on how you can listen to Mr. Dad's Storytime anytime. Follow us across all social media at RVA Dirt, and we'll talk to you next week.